Hey Venture Church family, have you ever heard this phrase? It's all just a matter of perspective. Consider this all too familiar scenario. You're driving to work behind an SUV that abruptly stops before an intersection. No turn signal, no warning, just stops in the middle of the street. How inconsiderate. You could have wrecked. So you lay on the horn, angry and flustered, yelling maybe a few choice words. We know what it feels like. Your morning was off to a bad enough start already. You probably felt frustrated like nothing else was gonna go right. But what you couldn't see was that there was a smaller car ahead of the SUV. That car was actually the one turning. And it did have the turn signal on. The SUV was simply waiting for the car to turn. Now, how do you feel? Glad you honked and yelled for no reason or embarrassed that you acted without having all of the information. <laughs> this same scenario might have actually happened to me just yesterday. So the dude, to the dude behind my big truck that's hard to see around, I'm sorry you had to slam on your brakes. You seemed awfully proud of your middle finger. I bet about the time you pulled around me, you saw the little car right in front of me. Here's the thing. Scenarios like the one I just described, well, they happen every single day. Actually, I think that they might have been happening for us and to us all year long. I'll explain what I mean here in just a second. We're launching a brand new sermon series today. Those of you who are joining us online today, I bet many of you are from a distance away and you just couldn't be here today. You're missing a fun time. I'm sorry, but you are. We have hundreds of your church family members out here enjoying a beautiful day of worshiping outside together. We're missing you. If you're local within driving distance of this beautiful campus in the heart of Hamilton County at 146th Street and Hazeldell Parkway, I hope you'll make plans to join us the next two Worship on the Lawn events. We plan on hosting the fourth Sunday of both June and July. That's June 27th and July 25th. Those are going to be awesome days fun days. We're planning to have some inflatable outdoor games. Did I mention food trucks? Picture an outdoor picnic setting. I hope you're making plans to join us. And today kind of serves as a teaser for our summer series that will kick off in early June. We're calling it Mountains and Valleys. And we're going to be challenging one another with this idea of perspective, what we just talked about. Basically asking the question, what do you choose to see? Do you see a mountain? Do you see a valley? And by the way, one man's mountain is his life's next great adventure, while another man's mountain is that giant obstacle that's in his way on the Oregon Trail. Do you remember playing that game? One man's valley is the fertile plain to plant good crops in, and it's another man's valley of the shadow of death. It's a matter of perspective, right? So we're going to study together both the Sermon on the Mount that is in your Bible in the book of Matthew, that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7, with what is called the Sermon on the Plain. That's in Luke chapter 6. We'll study the Sermon on the Plain portion while we're out here on the lawn. Get it? Sermon on the Plain? I know preacher jokes are lamer than dad jokes. Yeah, we'll focus on the Sermon on the Plain passages out here, and we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount when we're inside. But here's the thing. While long thought to be two different sermons that Jesus preached, it's my opinion that this was the same sermon. It was just recorded by two different gospel writers and given two different titles. Why? Because it was a matter of perspective. 
It was still the same great content preached in the same location at the same time. It was still the greatest sermon ever preached, but because of a matter of perspective, they called it two different names. Matthew called it the Sermon on the Mount, likely because he was looking at Jesus from this perspective. From the angle he was sitting, it looked like he was on the mountain. Honestly, uh, it's a stretch to call anything a mountain here in central Indiana. I know maybe we'll call this a Sermon on a Hill, but you get my point. Meanwhile, Luke, who's sitting there watching the same sermon, engaging in it, but from a different angle, he looked from where he was sitting and he saw a level place, a plain. It's all a matter of perspective. Isn't this so true of so many things in life, especially right now? It's a matter of perspective. Oh, it's been a rough season. Which direction are you looking right now? Do you see a mountain or a valley? As we put this last year in our rearview mirror, let's journey through the greatest sermon ever preached and let's grab perspective for today from the greatest preacher who ever preached, Jesus himself. So if you have your Bible handy and you want to open it up with me, I'm in the Sermon on the Plain in John chapter 6, verses 17 through 26. And right here, even before we dive into this sermon, in the context, we see the where, the why, and the how. These three questions all get answered in the first three verses. Let's set the context. Verse 17 says, He, meaning Jesus, He went down with them and stood on a level place. Listen, I've been to a location that nicely satisfies these two requirements, right? Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain, co-located in the same spot. It's called Mount Arbel on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, and it's both a mountain if you look at it from one angle, and it's a plain if you look at it from the other angle. Remember, we'll focus on the Sermon on the Mount inside the building weeks, and beginning in early June, that's going to happen, and the Sermon on the Plain during the outside weeks. Remember, I believe it's the same sermon preached at the same time, at the same location. Well, Matthew looked one direction and saw a mountain. Luke looked the other way and he saw a plain. What does it mean when the text says, he went down with them? Well, it means that, literally, what it says. The passage right before this is when Jesus narrowed down a large crowd of followers called disciples to the 12 he called apostles. And the Bible literally says, just a few verses before this, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. So he's been at higher elevation. A plateau now on top of a mountain is where he is. And he's bringing with him his hand-picked posse of 12 disciples who became apostles. Then he will leave behind, he's going to leave them behind after his death and his burial and his resurrection. In about three years time from this moment, these 12, minus one, Judas, plus one, we learn about him in Acts, his name is Matthias. These guys will become the disciples turned apostles who lead the early church movements, the birth of the church during the apostolic age. Well, today though, in our story, they're still wet behind the ears. And I'm sure those same ears are especially attuned to what Jesus is getting ready to say in this greatest sermon ever preached. How? How did this sermon end up happening? Well, there was demand for it. Remember, we've got the where and the why and the how. Check it out. Let's keep reading. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Do me a favor, open up your hand. 
let's explore where these people are coming from. If you took your hand and it's anything like mine, you've got some, I think they call them like timelines or age lines, or I don't really know what palm reading is all about, but there's some wrinkles in the middle of my palm. If you were to take my hand and come down, oh, about the middle one of those wrinkles, that's about where I'd put Jerusalem, if this is a map of the Holy Land. So from all over uh, Judea, that's this whole region down here by Jerusalem, and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, this would, way up at the top of the map of the Holy Land, this would be that coastal area next to the Mediterranean Sea. And then he doesn't mention, because duh, they're already there, they're in the region of what's known as the Galilee. This would be the region around the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, the region of the Decapolis, the Greek people called it. I believe the location he's preaching this from would be like right there at the edge of my ring, on my ring finger. Bottom line, these people had traveled from all over that area that Jesus is going to explore for the next three years of his earthly ministry. And they've come to hear him teach because he has life-saving words. As you can tell, there was, there was pent-up demand. They traveled from everywhere to hear the word from Jesus in this greatest sermon ever preached. Why? Well, if we keep reading, it says this, who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him. Why? Because power was coming from him and healing them all. Don't you want some Jesus power today? Let's talk about how much we need Jesus right now, and let's draw some parallels between the days and the times of this greatest sermon ever preached and today. Let me show you how timely and timeless the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain is. They needed Jesus right then. Let me go ahead and list the ways. These people who had traveled from all over that region that Jesus is living and teaching in, they were living in a season of discouragement. Listen, in Judea, in Jerusalem, the coast of Tyre and Sidon, that region of the Galilee, there were a lot of people living hand to mouth. There were definitely the haves and the have-nots. I think Jesus' audience would primarily have fit into the have-not category. They would definitely have been living through a season of discouragement, also a season of fear. If you're a student of the Bible, have you ever wondered why in the Garden of Gethsemane, that night before Jesus' crucifixion, he was praying with his disciples, and the Roman soldiers walked up, and Peter, one of the twelve we just read about, he jumped up and he chopped off a dude's ear. You ever wonder why? That's a conditioned fear response. Peter was afraid in that moment, and for good reason, because the Jews in Palestine had been living with the might of the Roman Empire's boot on their neck for a long time before Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain. The original audience of this greatest sermon ever preached was a group of people who knew what it was like to live through a season of fear. They also knew what it was like to live through a season of division. Sociologists today are calling this tribalism. Get this, less than 30 miles to the north of the location of this sermon is a place called Caesarea Philippi. I'd, I'd put it right up here at the top of my first knuckle, that distance from where Jesus is preaching this sermon. It's Caesarea Philippi. They're worshiping the emperor. Seriously, they're worshiping the living political leader. You talk about tribalism? 
You think we have political divisions today? They were literally worshiping, they're still alive, I might add, political leader. Well, it turns out not a lot has changed in 2,000 years. This is why we need Jesus right now. Can we just go ahead and list the ways? And by the way, they're the same ways. Because we've come through a season of discouragement. I was on a trip last summer with my family and I learned that our, our cable company had switched my billing structure without asking me, by the way, from a paper bill to an electronic bill because I hadn't gotten the bill in the mail. I didn't pay my bill. They don't like that, turns out, so they cut my service down to basic, basic cable. You know, just a few channels. And you know what? I got back and I discovered that I no longer had the temptation to binge watch those 24 hour a day news channels that I was in some kind of a sick and perverted, perverted way addicted to. So I called up the cable company and I, I cut the cord. I said, I don't need those channels because we're living through a season of discouragement and I need to stop constantly being reminded of that. Man, it was so good for my mental health. We've come through a huge season of potential discouragement. We have residual of that discouragement. We need Jesus right now in big ways to conquer our discouragement. How about a season of fear? Can we just take a moment and compare this moment to a year ago today? It was about a year ago today that our family stopped quarantining our groceries and Amazon deliveries. Do you remember doing that? We've lived through a season of fear. We still have residual of that fear. We need Jesus now in big ways to continue to conquer our fears. How about a season of division? Remember, sociologists are calling this tribalism. We've lived through political divisions. You talk about tribalism. Whoa. We've lived through opinion divisions. Masks, no masks. Do we trust the CDC? Do we not trust the CDC? By the way, can we, can we just take a moment to celebrate this weird season that we've come through? Celebrate where we are now? Hey, I, I need to let you know, re regarding masks, I know some of you have questions about that. Beginning next week, we've been saying all along that through a Romans 13, chapter 13, verse one lens, Listen, we seek to follow the guidance of state and federal authorities. So beginning next week, recommendations have been changing quickly. And regarding masks here at our church, just know when you come to worship next week, everyone is welcome to make their own decision. If you wanna wear a mask, please feel free to do so. If you don't want to, please feel free to do that as well. We only ask either way that you respect the decision of others because because we've lived through a season of division and we still have residual of that division. Just like they did in the first century when this greatest sermon ever was preached to its original audience. We need Jesus now in big ways to conquer our division. And let me say this, your influence needs Jesus right now. Jesus put you right where he wants you to influence others for him at your work, in your home, in your neighborhood, in the gym. As COVID restrictions are lifting, as more people are out and about, our culture needs your Jesus influence front and center. So do you have a neighbor going through a season of discouragement right now? Influence them. Do you have a coworker living through a season of fear right now? Influence them. Our culture is experiencing a season of tribalism right now. Are you a part of the problem or are you part of the solution? 
Hey, don't miss a week this summer. The greatest sermon ever preached has timeless truth to guide our lives today. What we're going through is not new. Jesus' brilliant teaching then is crazy applicable today as well. So, regardless of where you're traveling this summer, don't miss church. You can join us from wherever you're at. Please join us, even if you're on vacation, even from a distance, you can join us online. And as you're making your summer plans, listen, we're planning more of these Worship on the Lawn events. Two more, actually. The fourth Sunday of June and the fourth Sunday of July. Mark your calendars now. Like I said earlier, we're going to have inflatables and water games. Invite a friend. Invite somebody to come and join you. We plan to invite the neighborhood to these. So who can you invest? Who could you invest in? And who could you invite to come and join you? Now, let's dive into his sermon. Again, Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 20. He says this. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Wait, what? I imagine their posture going like this as he said this. The text says he looked at them. And I kind of see their eyebrows going up and maybe leaning in. Like when your favorite teacher made eye contact with you in school. And then he says the word blessed. I suspect the disciples at that point, they leaned forward. Yeah, I want to hear what he has to say. And then they said, when you're poor, I bet they leaned back. What? Yours is the kingdom of God, he said. I bet they looked at their buddy, kind of eyebrows furled. And I picture that same posture repeated over and over again through this whole part of the sermon. Eyes, brows up, leaning forward, then back, and then looking sideways. What? He says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. What? Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. By the way, make sure if you're the kind of person who's a glutton for punishment, if you're the kind of person who loves to stir it up, maybe you love the reaction of people, you kind of like it when you're sensing frustration coming from others toward you about something you've just said or maybe something you've just posted on social media, that verse we just read should call you to check your motive. Make sure that when you're feeling blessed, when others are hating on you, that it's because of the Son of Man. By the way, this is Jesus' favorite self-title referring to himself. Persecution for Jesus' sake is one thing. If you're just stirring the pot for political or social commentary reasons, that might not make you a super Christian. That might just make you a jerk. So check your motives. Blessings follow a lifestyle of worship aimed at Jesus, not a, not a compulsive need to have to always be right. We keep reading verse 23, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how the fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that's how their fathers treated the false prophets. Note, note in this sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached, that the blessings don't feel like good things, and the woes don't seem so bad. 
actually they kind of seem like the kind of things that you're aiming at in high school when you're gunning for the title of most likely to succeed, right? Blessings and curses. Blessings and woes. Our temptation is usually to run toward the blessings in our lives. And we try to run from the curses, those woes that Jesus was talking about. But hear me, be careful not to mistake the good or the easy times as blessings. And be careful not to mistake the bad times as curses. Let me say that again. Be so careful not to mistake the good, easy times as blessings. And be careful not to mistake the bad times as curses. Let me give you an example of what, what I'm talking about. This stage that I'm standing on right now, I, I kind of love this thing. Well, that, that's a weird way to state it. What I love is what this thing represents. In the middle of the lockdown portion of the weird season last spring and early summer, we started scrambling trying to figure out how we could gather our church again. I mentioned the idea of an outdoor stage and several of you jumped up and made it happen. And I have some fond memories of that week, coming out here and swinging hammers together, trying to figure out the mask thing and social distance thing and swinging a hammer and having fun together. It was the best of times while it was the worst of times. Woes became blessings. How about for you? Take a few minutes now. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. You guys, 2020 and this first part of 2021, it counts. In God's economy of space and time, it might very well be some of the most valuable times of your life. What has God been teaching you? What blessings in your life pre-pandemic weren't actually a blessing? Maybe those, quote, blessings were just a big old boat anchor dragging you down. And what curses over the last year, well, they live up to the title of this sermon. They were actually blessings in disguise. Hard times sometimes yield opportunities. I started doing something during the pandemic, during that lockdown season I just talked about. I, I started writing on my office window. I was in here oftentimes by myself studying, and I would take a dry erase marker. Sometimes I wrote right on the window. Sometimes I wrote it on a sticky note. Man, it was a rich season of information sharing. It was a neat season of innovation. And during that season, while our church was launching our online presence, and we were all scrambling to connect with you, and kind of in a frenzy, I'd hear what sounded like a piece of wisdom, maybe on a Zoom call, or in a meeting, or listening to a podcast. And I'd write that piece of wisdom down, I recently compiled those quotes. We, we cleaned the building right before Easter. One of you actually cleaned my window, and I so appreciate that. And I pulled those quotes down, and here's one I want to share with you today. It's speaking to me. I wonder if it speaks to you as well. Here's the quote. Where fear sees a crisis, faith sees an opportunity. Man, I've been leaning into this one a lot here lately. Where fear sees a crisis, Faith sees an opportunity. There's been a lot of fear in our world over the last year or so. Even in the months since I last stood on this outdoor stage to share God's word with you. Here's the thing though. Perhaps more than any other time in my lifetime, I sense the gospel. The good news of Jesus is straining to break through us. The world feels fear. This is the perfect opportunity for faith to seize the opportunities that are right in front of us. 
It reminds me of a passage in Scripture. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. If you know Jesus, you know that perfect love. Remember, it's, it's all a matter of perspective. It's been a rough season. Which direction are you looking right now? Do you see a mountain or do you see a valley? It is all a matter of perspective. How do you choose to view the landscape around you today? Mountains and valleys. Come along on this journey together with us this summer. Let's try to even things out. Maybe we need to lower the mountains a bit and raise the valleys. Okay. Right now, I invite you to take a deep breath and then take another. Maybe take another and listen right now to what God might be speaking to you.